0: one more time welcome especially welcome to the facebook family that are now joining in with us and if you have not taken advantage of pulling out your phone i encourage you to do that right now and again just simply text that word river to 715-953-4060 if you're joining us on facebook you can uh, jump in on that as well and so let us know you're here let us know you're worshiping with us and that way we can make sure you get all of the easter eggs lined up ready for what's coming up this holy week. Uh, we are in a series that we've been looking at 21 Days of Hope. I hope that you have been enjoying the different challenges, the devotions, the uh, different things that we've been throwing out uh, during this series. Uh, I've been kind of blown away by some different things as, as we have kind of stepped out and trusted that God has been willing to meet us as we provide opportunities. I, w- I was able to. Pray with some high school friends and some old uh, people that we have been connected with in ministry in the past. As as I reached out like that, and so it's just it's really cool. And I really want to encourage you: be someone who is being a dispenser of hope, someone who is pouring out and allowing your life to be hope for other people, that, that people could see the hope of Jesus through what you're doing. Now, last week I asked you how many of you have hope. For the future. And so I'm going to ask maybe a little bit different question this week, and it's simply this. How many of you have hope for the past? Okay, one person kind of maybe thinks maybe. Uh, I know this is kind of weird, right? How many, how many times have you ever been asked whether you have hope for the past? Well, I ask that question on purpose because when we look at hope, as we find it in the Bible, one thing that you will find if you really study it, the word doesn't mean what you think it means. That this is something where when we think about hope, we think about it as something future, something anticipated, something that we are looking forward toward. And that's why when you ask somebody, do you have hope for the future? That's, that's a pretty normal question that's something that most people in the English language would go oh, yeah I, I get what you're asking me but if you would ask them if they have hope for the past that doesn't resonate but yet when you look at the hebrew understanding when they talked about hope hope was always grounded in the personhood of god hope was always found in a remembrance of what God had done for them in the past. It was always linked to something that they could look back to and say, if God has met us this
1: far, He is going to carry us the rest of the way. And so, if you read through the Old Testament,
0: continually, the Israelites are setting up Touchstones, some literally stones that that they are piling in different places to remember. They, They set up monuments and altars and different areas designated to say, whenever you walk past this, whenever you see this, remember what God has done in the past and have hope. So that it wouldn't matter what you were walking through. You could look through that. You could go back to those sites. You could could participate in the festivals. And you could remember that it doesn't matter what you're walking through now. We still serve a faithful God. And if He met us in that way, He will be faithful even if I don't see it today. One of those touchstones that the Israelites created, or more so God created, was this festival called Passover. As I mentioned already, Passover actually began last night. And so Jewish homes all over the world last night celebrated a Seder meal together. Some of them will be waiting to tonight to celebrate, and some will be celebrating it throughout this week. But it is a meal with a purpose. It is a meal where they sit down and there's different symbols that are provided. There's different items that are on the table. There's different foods to be eaten. And all of them are there to remind the people of
1: Israel God brought them out of Egypt. That while they were slaves, God had mercy on them. And He
0: broke them. The yoke of slavery. He carried them out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. And he provided for them manna for 40 years. And during the Passover meal, there's all of this remembrance. And there's all of this beauty. And there's all of these things. And so I'd really encourage you, if you've never had the opportunity to go and sit in on a a Seder, find one. I mean, I don't know how many of them are available in person this year. But hopefully next year there will be a little bit more opportunity. I, I'm hoping someday in the future for us to be able to provide one here at the church because there's just there's some deep and powerful meaning. And I think we lose a little bit even of what was happening during the Easter week, what, what's happening in the Passion of Christ when we don't understand the fullness of what they were doing.
1: As a matter of fact. It was this very meal that we look to as we celebrate the Last Supper.
0: When we we celebrate communion together, all of this is pointing back to this Seder meal that the Jewish people have been celebrating together for over 5,000 years. And the beautiful part about it is there, there's just this richness, there's this diversity, there's this, there's this symbolism that when, when, I, when I go through a Seder, I am floored that for 2,000 years, Jewish people continue these same practices and yet don't see Jesus in the middle of them. And so today, we're going to take some time and we're going to look at past hope. We're, we're going to look at How God, in the past, put these things for us to see. Not not only in the biblical past, but in the history of the church, and in the history of your walk with Christ. And so, I want to encourage you, during this message, and during this week, to find ways to anchor your hope in the past, of what God has done for you, and what God is planning to do. And so, we are going to be reading from the book of Mark this morning. This is significant because Mark was a a young man who decided, I want to write down the story of Jesus. And Mark had two very unique privileges that I think we we would look at and go, wow, it'd be worth getting to know Mark if you could. Mark was friends with Peter. Peter, the disciple, you know, the one who talked too much and was always sticking his foot in his mouth. Mark was actually discipled by Peter. And we believe that the gospel of Mark is heavily influenced by Peter helping Mark understand this is what it was like to walk with Jesus. The other thing is that Most ancient historians believe that it was in the home of Mark. His parents were wealthy and historically, people have pointed to Mark's parents as the people who hosted the Last Supper, who hosted that Passover meal. It was also in that same home where it is believed that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And so, we're getting to hear from a young man who is probably right there
1: in the room, maybe even serving them as he is recounting for us
0: these men sitting around a table, hearing Jesus as he's walking through the Passover meal, and then he adds some new elements. And so, I want us to go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word here this morning. We are going to be looking at Mark chapter 14, and we'll be reading from verses 22 through 25. Again, Mark 14, 22 through 25, and I'll be reading today out of the New Living Translation, and this is how it reads. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it, and then he broke it into pieces, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them, and as they drank it, and he said to them, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth. I will not drink wine again until the day I will drink it new
1: in the kingdom of God. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that our hope is found in you.
0: And that while we have a blessed hope, we have a future hope that we are looking forward to. We have confidence in that hope because what you have done in the past.
1: And so today, as we look back on this holy account of you serving your disciples this Passover meal, I pray that we would see the richness and the fullness of it, and that we would once again remember what you have done and allow it to change what we hope in. We love you, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.
0: Well, before you see it, why don't you wave at a person or two. Let us know that you're excited to be worshiping
1: with each other. If you're online, let us know you're here. Uh, Put something in the chat. Well, there's a couple of things as we look at this
0: passage. It it should be, hopefully, if you are familiar with Christianity, if you've, you've been around, this is probably a passage that should ring with familiarity. That there should be elements of this that you're like, okay, I've heard this before. But I'm hoping that... Today, as we look at it, you're willing to look at it from some fresh eyes. And, and maybe you're not familiar with this, and maybe you've never been a part of a, a communion service in the past. I just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. And I hope it's just as meaningful for you as it is for those of us who have participated in communion many times in the past. But there's a couple of things that we understand. Again, if we're talking about the past, it's about memory. It's about remembering what God has done. And the first thing that I want us to focus in on today
1: is I want you to remember that you are healed. I want you to remember that you are healed. Jesus, He he took a piece of bread,
0: and, and we read in verse 22, it says, As they were eating, He took some bread and blessed it and he broke it into pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, take it, for this is my body. Now, we read that, and again, if we're removed from the Jewish culture, that doesn't doesn't seem too out there. I mean, again, if you're a Christian, okay, we've been doing this for thousands of years. Why, Why is that significant? Well, it's interesting because when they did it, Back then, and when Jews still do it today, they typically have three pieces of this flat matzah bread.
1: And whenever they go and they take that bread, there's always three pieces, and they always take from the middle. kind of speaks of Trinity. In the middle piece, they always grab and they lift it up. And they break it. Then they take one piece and they wrap it in a special cloth and then they hide it someplace in the the house. Later on in the meal, that comes back and it's resurrected. And then this piece is the piece that is passed around. The broken piece from the center of the three. This piece is passed around. And Jesus is saying, take and eat this bread because this is my body. And for thousands of years before Jesus, and for thousands of years
0: since Jesus, Jewish believers celebrating this meal have been eating bread from the middle loaf
1: that is bruised. And pierced and striped. I have to wonder. If any of those Jewish men. As they were eating this meal. And as they thought back days later. To Jesus being beaten. If they remembered Isaiah 53. The story of the suffering
0: servant. I have to wonder if, if it caught on to them at that moment, that as they were holding that bread, that bruised,
1: crushed, pierced, striped bread, when Jesus said, this is my body, if these words meant something a little bit more to them. Where Isaiah the prophet, again, talking about the suffering servant who was coming,
0: saying that people will despise him, people will look down on him, people will think that he is cursed, but he's really cursed for us. And then he writes these
1: words in verse 5. He was pierced for our sins, bruised for our guilt. He received our punishment so that we could be whole. And inside his stripes... He will heal us. That, that's the JRV, the Gerald
0: Rico version. Uh, I, I actually went to the ancient Hebrew and, 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 and pulled out these words because I, I wanted to make sure that we were seeing the depth of it. I mean, for, for whatever reason, I couldn't find a translation that used all of those same words. They, they, they all mix them out, in
1: and out. And it, it's there this piercing, bruising, crushing stripes. And Jesus' body was crushed and bruised and pierced and striped. The interesting thing as I was studying it out in Hebrew, it literally says in there, inside His stripes, from within His wounds... Literally, from within His welts, He will heal you. As we go into Holy Week, as we prepare for Easter, let's remember we're healed. Because He was broken, we have healing.
0: Because he allowed himself to be bruised and pierced
1: and striped. We have forgiveness for our sins. We have been made whole. The brokenness in us has been brought back together because he was broken. And so we need to... Go through this
0: week with with excitement, with anticipation, with, with, with a longing to let others know
1: that Jesus has made me whole. Spiritually, physically, emotionally. And
0: that anything that I am lacking in, I can turn to Jesus and in His stripes I can find continual healing for my
1: soul. Continual healing for my life. So we need to remember that we are healed. Another thing
0: that I think is important that we remember this Holy Week as we prepare for
1: Easter is that we need to remember that you are held. Remember that you are held. That what Jesus has done has brought us into a relationship with Him. we recognize that not only did he take the bread, but he also took a cup. And
0: again, the cup, this is something that they've been doing for thousands of years. What he was doing was not that different, except for if you read all of the passages surrounding it, it says at the end of supper, he took the cup again. So there were certain times when you were supposed to drink from the cup, but Jesus set up A separate time. And then, it was at that time, as he lifted up the cup one more time, we read, And he took the cup of wine, gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them, and he drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood, which confirms the new covenant between God and his people.
1: It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. For thousands of years, they had been lifting up a cup. For thousands of years, they had taken this cup four different times. Each cup, each time
0: they drank from it, it symbolized something different. But all of it was pointing
1: back to the covenant that God made with Abraham. That through Abraham's seed, all the
0: nations of the world would be blessed. And for thousands of years, Jewish people had been lifting this cup up. Whether they were in exile, or whether they were where they were supposed to be. Whether they were going through good times, or whether they were going through bad times. They would lift up this cup to remind themselves that they were a covenant people. That they were protected by God himself. And that as they sacrificed these animals, and as they, as a people had put the blood over their doorposts to keep the death angel out of their homes in that same manner as they lifted up this cup, remembering what God had done, remembering the covenants. They were saying, God will do it again. Even when we're going through these difficult times, even when we're being oppressed, we're going to lift up this
1: cup because God will do it again. We are His. We are held by His covenant. And then Jesus gets up. He holds up the cup again. And he says, this is a new covenant. For thousands of years, you have been lifting this up, looking back
0: on what God had done through the old covenant. But this is a new covenant. You're no longer going to have to sacrifice animals. I'm going to sacrifice myself. I'm going to allow myself to be poured out.
1: And it's going to be through my blood that the covenant will be sealed and completed Again, if you follow the Holy Week calendars, today is actually
0: Palm Sunday. Today is not really supposed to be the day that we're celebrating the Last Supper. That's usually reserved for Thursday or for Friday. But I felt like there was so much in this meal that we had to at least touch on so we could have hope in the past. And there is an Old Testament passage that will get read over and over today in churches all over the world. But what I find interesting is they stop at a certain place and they don't go any farther. Yet there's so much deep imagery in this passage. It was a, a passage by the prophet Zechariah. And Zechariah was talking to a people who were dispersed. He was talking to a people who were in prison, who were, who were removed from the land that they loved. And he was trying to help them understand there's still hope. And so we read in Zechariah 9, starting in verse 9, Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, And riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit.
1: Return to your fortress you prisoners of hope. So today we are celebrating around the world, Palm Sunday. And people
0: look at that and they see this and they remember that it was prophesied that the Messiah would come to Jerusalem riding on a colt. But why was he coming? He was coming to proclaim peace to the nations. I've never read it out of the New International Version, or at least if I have, I couldn't remember it. I love the fact that they highlight the river there, right? That, that, and what do we pray almost
1: every Sunday? That, that God's presence would go from the river to the ends of the earth. But then in verse 11, I don't know why we don't talk about this one a little bit more. It's because of the blood of my covenant with you that I'm going to do this. And then he's talking to these prisoners. And he's saying, I'm going to set you free. But, even once I set you free, you will remain prisoners of hope. That that word prisoners is a very unique Hebrew word
0: which specifically means a prisoner who is wrapped by a rope. And the word hope there. It's a very unique Hebrew word that means hope. And it also means rope or cord. It's the same word that was used when it talked about the prostitute Rahab who let down the
1: Israelite spies from a cord. She let down the cord. She let down hope. And so
0: here, Zechariah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is saying, you are prisoners surrounded, wrapped up, tied up with the hope of God. The faithfulness of God is all around you. You are held by his hope. You are held by his character. You are held by the covenant promises. You are held together because God is going to protect you. It doesn't matter what you're walking through right now, God has you completely in his hands.
1: In a blog post I read from this psychologist, Dori Halbert, the name of the blog post was Hope is a Rope. She wrote this A connected relationship with God
0: is like grasping onto a, a strong rope. We can cling to and depend on Him even when we can't see the next step. I need to rest in God. Trusting that the issues
1: I'm facing are part of what God is using to transform me. Are you going through a difficult season right now? Has it been a hard year? Have you suffered through the pandemic, through whatever else is going on? Hold on to God.
0: Grab a hold of that lifeline. Grab a hold of that rope and realize that you are a prisoner of hope. That that if you've called upon His name, He wants to surround you with hope. And allow that hope to be something that gives you life, that gives you purpose, that gives you
1: a sense that He is with you. Remember, whatever you're going through, remember that you are held. And finally, I want you to remember this week that you are holy. We are celebrating Holy Week. And I know it's easy to put the focus on Jesus
0: because it should be there. It's easy to focus on His sacrifices
1: because we should be focusing on that. But we also need to remember why. Why did he sacrifice himself? Yes, it was to forgive us. Yes,
0: it was to heal us. Yes, it was to demonstrate the fact that we are held by his hope.
1: But it was also to redeem a people. It was also to bring about a new kingdom. Throughout his ministry, Jesus was proclaiming, I have come
0: so that you may know the kingdom of God is near to you. And then in verse 25, he says, I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. As he's anchoring their hope in the past, he's helping them to realize, I am continuing, even through this sacrifice, to make you into a kingdom. I'm continuing to make you into a people. I'm continuing to turn this ragtag group of fishermen, these crazy Wisconsinites, I'm continuing
1: to turn you into a holy people, a royal priesthood, ones who could proclaim the kingdom of God. This week, as
0: you are preparing for Easter, remember, you are holy not because of who you are, but because what has been done for you. This hope was never meant to be a hope that we just passively observe. This was meant to be an active hope that was drawing us into a kingdom so that we could look at what God has done for us in the past and be anxious and excited to be proclaiming it to the world around us. We are walking into a week where the world is going to pause where people are going to take a moment and at least consider, did Jesus really live? Did he really die? Was he really broken? Was his blood really poured out?
1: And you get to be an ambassador of hope. Not because of who you are, but because of a holy God
0: who has redeemed you and has called you holy and has called you to be his own has called you into this new kingdom and has called you to repeat the very message that Jesus
1: preached. Turn. The kingdom of heaven is near. And it's near because you're
0: bringing it near. It's near because you are bringing hope. It's near because
1: the very Holy Spirit of God is resident in you. And you Get to reach back and
0: touch the past. You get to reach back and look at how he brought wholeness to your brokenness. You get to reach back and realize that through his blood you are
1: held. And you get to extend that hope, that rope to someone else this week. Let's, let's not forget that we are healed. Let's not
0: forget that we are held. Let's not forget that we are holy. And let's actively participate in the hope that God wants to spread this Easter season. So, as I've encouraged you last week and as I will encourage you again this week, spread some hope.
1: You get to extend that rope this week. You get to help other people see that scarlet thread And so here, if you are looking for some ideas, pray for someone. Keep praying that you could be an agent of seeing someone find hope.
0: For the rest of this week, pray for three people who are far from God. And
1: pray dangerously by saying, God, how can I speak into their lives? Tell someone. Take this week and tell someone about hope.
0: You you could tell them any number of things, but three things that I think are really easy that you could do. You can tell someone about what God's doing in your life.
1: You can tell someone about what God's doing in your church. You could tell someone that God loves them. And then finally, invite someone. For me, this is not just about filling our seats on Easter Sunday. This is
0: about inviting people into your story. Don't, don't just invite them on Sunday if you're not willing to invite them farther along. Invite them into your story. Invite them. Let them know about what God's doing in your life. And be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit when, when He prompts you to say, Would you like to be a part
1: of this faith journey with me? Invite them into the Easter story. If God allows it, pray that you would be given the opportunity to lead someone to Christ this week.
0: I don't know if it will happen, but I know it won't happen if you don't pray for it, if you don't step out in it, if you don't invite people, if you don't reach out. We are holy people called to take this hope to more and more. If you, if you need some reminders, I, I really want to encourage you, if you haven't already joined our 21 Days of Hope, you can do that right now. You'll be behind on the 21 days, that's fine. But you, every day you'll get an email or a text message from me just saying, hey, let's not forget. And for those of you who are getting the emails, let, let's live those out. Let's, let's actually initiate the things that we're being challenged
1: to do so that more people could find hope through us. So, at this point, I want to take a moment and I want to remember. And so I'd invite you to go ahead and stand. Worship team is coming up and we're going to celebrate by singing one more song. But we're also going to
0: celebrate by remembering. And so, if you have not already received your communion cup Raise your hand high and uh, we'll make sure someone gets one to you.
1: But I, I really want to continue to encourage you. Don't just let this be something you do on Sunday mornings. I really believe communion is something that was supposed to be experienced more
0: than just once a month. I mean, we did it twice a month this month, but it's not supposed to be something that's just reserved for a Sunday morning experience. This was something people were doing in their own homes. They were getting together. They were having
1: meals together. And they were taking a cup and they were taking bread and they were
0: breaking it together and they were sharing it together. And through that Act. They were encouraging one another to remember what Christ has done. I mean, you might not have these fancy cups at your house, but I'm sure you can find another cup. You, You may not have grape juice and matzah, but you can find something. Any given meal, you can turn into a communion experience if you're willing to. I mean, if you're here in Georgia, and or sorry, if you're here in, in Wisconsin and, and you, you've got you know, cheese and crackers and, and, and a little bit of juice, do that. If you're watching us in England and you've got tea and crumpets, you can do that. I, mean, I mentioned Georgia. I mean, maybe, maybe if you're watching in Georgia and you've got a, a biscuit and some sweet tea, you can use that. We think communion is supposed to be some holy person up front blessing a holy cup and, and holy bread. It was something that was supposed to point us to remembering. And you can do that wherever you're at. You don't have to read one of these passages, or, although you could. I think all you've got to do is say, Jesus, at this moment, we're remembering by breaking this bread together, by breaking this biscuit together, we're remembering that you are broken for us. And as we drink this cup together, we're remembering that we are held by your covenant, that we're forgiven, we are, we are made whole. As a matter of fact, somebody just this morning asked if they could have some extras of these. Because they, they took me up on it a couple of weeks ago when I said, Take some and have communion with someone else. I'll make sure if you need some, Judy will we'll get you some extra ones. If you want to find a way to do this with someone else this week, let's, let's take this out of here and be people who carry hope wherever we go.
1: So with that, I want to encourage you. Remember. Remember what God has done. Let me, let me pray over this.
0: Let's partake of it together. And let's celebrate
1: our King of Kings who came on that donkey, who came to proclaim salvation is here. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are a faithful
0: God, that you have met us in the past, that our hope is not rooted on a wishing or a wanting. Our hope is rooted in the past to an old rugged cross where you allowed yourself to be broken and poured out for us. You took our penalties.
1: You took our guilt. And by your stripes, within your wounds, we have found healing. So Jesus, today, as we remember what you have done, as we anticipate this holy week, help us remember. Help us not to have become so familiar with the
0: story that we forget how amazing it is.
1: And we get so long in our journey that we remember Grace is still amazing. So God, I pray that you would bless this bread. And that if there are those here who need healing, that you would meet them and that you would heal them. And God, if there are those who need forgiveness as we lift up this cup, I pray that your forgiveness would wash over them. Let us be people, who not just receive hope, but give it away as we remember what you have done for us.
0: We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name.
1: Amen. Let us take the bread. and also the cup. Jesus, as we prepare to head out to a world that needs hope,
0: I pray that you would bless us and you would protect us. I pray that you would be gracious toward us and smile upon us. And I pray that every day we would walk in
1: your favor and in your peace. As we pray all of this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.